Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Wavebreak Podcast. I'm Dylan Kelly, founder of Wavebreak. We help Shopify stores stop leaking revenue with done-for-you email marketing. And every week on this show, I interview the people behind the top Shopify stores, and I get them to share their secrets. If you're enjoying the podcast, subscribe on iTunes, or you can sign up for our podcast email list down in the show notes below, and we'll notify you every single time a brand new episode drops. And this episode is brought to you by Wavebreak, my e-commerce email marketing agency that works exclusively with seven and eight figure Shopify stores. Head over to wavebreak.co and apply it for a free strategy session. Spots are limited, so make sure you go over and request one as soon as possible because they do fill up fast because they are with me, Dylan, the host of the show, personally. And now today I am super stoked to get into this episode uh, because joining me is Ryan Popoff from Popoff Leather. And if his name sounds familiar, that's because he was in the very first ever episode of the Wave Break podcast. It was titled Working the Night Shift to 40K a Month, and it's one of our most popular episodes to date. And today I'm super excited because we are doing a recap on his business and his life. Uh, We're going to be diving into where his business is at today and the changes it's seen over the last 12 months since our last interview. Um, So without further ado, let's just jump right into the juice, Ryan. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Don. It's great to have you back, man. And for the people who don't know, who's Ryan Popoff and what's Popoff Leather? Let's just set the frame a little bit for the people who might not have listened to that first episode. And by the way, if you haven't listened to it, definitely go listen to it. I'm going to link it up in the show notes below. <laughs> Thanks, Dylan. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, I, I run Popoff Leather. My name is Ryan Popoff. Uh, my last name is spelled differently from the business, and that's uh, purely from a marketing perspective. Um but uh, I think I think we talked about that in the first episode, so I won't get into that. But uh, yeah, so we make handmade leather goods. Um, I have a team of eight full-time people. We have a workshop here in Nelson, BC, Canada. Um, we make everything. So wallets, notebook covers, belts, dog leashes, shaving kits, uh, so on and so forth. And uh, we primarily do all our business online. So mostly to, we work in Canada, but 95% 95 of our customers are from the United States and we're just dipping our toes into the wholesale market now. So I have um, one of our our awesome employees is actually part-time in the workshop and part-time marketing. So that's going to be her job in the new year. She's actually going to transition full-time and we're going to start hitting up retail, um, retail companies, mostly in Canada. And, um, from what we've seen, it's, uh, it's an easy sell. We got, we got a ton of people just sending us emails every day, just asking for wholesale line sheets and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, so that's what we do mostly direct to consumer. And, uh, we're just starting to look at wholesale now, now that our, our price point sort of supports those levels. That's awesome, man. And it's great to have you back. Do you remember where you were last year around this time? Yeah. Um, I was in the basement of my house, uh, talking to you. Uh, so we worked, so we, we built a house and our, our bottom floor of our house was primarily designed to be our workshop. So we had 800 square feet of, um, sort of a, there was a closet that had a cat litter box. And then we had, uh, the rest of the unfinished basement. We sort of had a garbage room and then a small office and a bathroom. And, and then I think 
out of that 800 square feet, maybe 500 was the actual workshop. And we had, I think we had about maybe four or five full-time employees. Um, and I remember talking to you, I was in, I was in the room where a laser cutter was and, and, and just kind of stoked on where revenue was at that point, I think $40,000. Um, and yeah, I, I remember, um, that was a great time. We were, we were just at the point where we were thinking about moving to a bigger location because we were sort of tripping over each other in the basement. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's where we were. That's crazy. And now, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Bring me to now. Fast forward today. Where are you at one year later? And so now, yeah, we moved into uh, a building. So it's 1400 square feet, um, primarily just dedicated to the workshop space. We have, uh, I have my own office now. Uh, Stacy has an office where she does all the engraving and leather cutting and we have a staff room and a bathroom and it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. We also have a, a dedicated customer service corner and a shipping station. Um, Jeez, I mean, man. nothing's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. So we, we actually have a, a an employee who's full-time, um, just customer service and shipping. Um, we have someone who's full-time just doing the, the laser engraving, uh, side of stuff and everyone else is in the workshop. And, and like I mentioned, we have someone who's, who's going to be doing sales for us. It's really, it's really taken off. And actually something else that I'm really excited about is, is we've been, um, selected, uh, for an accelerator program for a, a non-tech, uh, company. So they specialize, there's, there's actually two versions of it. There's one for tech companies, um, and then there's one that they're piloting for non-tech and we've been chosen for, for that side. So that's, that's in the works we, we have our first meeting next week. So maybe in a year from now we can do part three and, and I'll let you know how that went. Heck yeah. I would love that. Um, <laughs> I mean, this is great. This is so much fun. So, so you've doubled your team in size from, from basically four to how many now? Eight. Um, yes, yeah, so we're, we're eight full time plus myself and Jill. Wow. That's crazy. So a total of 10 people. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so awesome. You got a new office, new bathroom, new staff room, new, your own office. Um, that's awesome. And a lot bigger team now. What? Yeah, life is, life's good. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So, so like what, like walk me through, like what changed? Like how did you, and, and obviously a whole year has passed and like, it, it feels like yeah. it just flew by. Um, but like what yeah. changed? Like what, like obviously it was step by step. Like you didn't just hire all these people overnight or did you? No, no, it was. Um, and I, I mean, this is something that this program is going to help me with, like all the financial literacy and, and operations. This is all stuff that we're learning day to day. And it's, it's my biggest challenge, I guess, as a business owner is, is actually just stepping away from the day-to-day stuff and, and trying to manage a business. So before, I think last year when I was talking to you, I was very much still in the workshop making stuff. Um, but now I'm pretty much hands off. I, I just do sort of the marketing side and the business operations myself. And then I'm starting to delegate other stuff to, to other people. And I think, I think what's changed is we've moved into a bigger space um, we've sort of dialed in our, our customer service, our shipping. So we're bringing shipping times down, which customers love, especially for a handmade product. I think going into Christmas last year, we were still two weeks out. Um, now we're getting stuff out in two business days. 
So a lot of that's kind of helped our conversion rates and growth. Um, but ultimately we're, we're keeping the business the same, you know, focus on customer service, focused on quality goods. You know, if something reaches our shipping table and it has a mark on it or just something we don't like, we'll remake it, even if it means the customer having to wait. And that's something we don't compromise on. And, and a lot of businesses as I grow and I've seen it myself, they sort of cut corners to make things faster, but instead of doing that, we're, we're just focusing on, on our quality and consistency and, and trying to find ways where we can maintain that without cutting corners. And that's, that's been sort of a huge thing on my plate. And I think a huge driver for our success so far going into this year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, first of all, that's awesome. I love that. That's something I try to do in my own business and I am doing it in my own business. And that's really, it's really difficult to do, um, especially as you remove yourself, like, uh, you know, keeping high standards and making yeah. sure these other people, like there's two ways that there are two ways things can go. Like one, you can like, you know, bring on people who are better than you at their specialized thing, or you, you can like, you know, have people who aren't so good and then you don't give them the systems and the proper training and things to, you know, make them succeed. So like, what's your process? What was your process for removing yourself? Because that's huge. Uh, for yeah. any business owner. And I know that's really scary. And a lot of people like, um, I mean, not that they're holding, I mean, like th that's a big limiting factor in a lot of these businesses is ourselves. Um, so like, what yeah. was your process for removing yourself? Can you walk us through that? Well, I think, I think getting over the hump of actually hiring your first employee is the biggest step you can take. So recognizing when you need help, you know, you get to a certain point where you can't do everything and, and you start to stress out and the business suffers and it shows either, you know, you spend more time fulfilling a product and less time engaging with customers, less time, you know, putting social media out there, that sort of thing. Um, for me, I mean, I don't know if I would have gotten to this point unless Jill got pregnant. Um, so Jill was my biggest helper in the workshop. It was just us. You know, going into, um, was it last year or the year before? But no, it was a year because <laughs> my son's two. So it would have been two years ago. So she got to a point where when she was pregnant, where she couldn't help me anymore. And that was the point where I was like, uh oh, we got to figure something out because orders aren't slowing down. And I'm going to have a child soon and Jill's not going to be able to work. So that was the point where we hired someone out of, you know, we were basically forced to. Um, and I don't know know like if she, if she never got pregnant like if we never had thomas like i don't know if we would have ever hired an employee but once you once you get over that fear and that hump you know like you're responsible for someone's payroll once you get over that fear it becomes much easier to sort of recognizing oh hey you know that wasn't so bad i can you know i can afford to have an employee where else can i get help and maybe improve the business and then you kind of just go from there and see what makes sense and a big, another big challenge was hiring the right people. You, you have to hire people who care and you can train someone how to sew a wallet. You can train someone how to cut something out, but you can't train someone to care about what they do. And we're super fortunate to be living in an area where people like that tend to hang out. And yeah, I mean, we've, I wouldn't say it's been easy, but we definitely have a solid crew everyone who works here is just you know they come to work and they love what they do and learning how to run a business where you, you can foster that sort of environment it has been a big challenge and, and something i'm still working on but it, it's it, it's definitely another huge important part of the hiring process 
you know, it's not just finding awesome people, but it's also encouraging them to stay, encouraging them to improve their skills. Like a lot of people who, who come and work here, they, they, they want to learn more about making wallets. They want to spend their free time, you know, bringing in funky leather and, and doing special projects. And a lot of the products that we sell now are, are the result of that. So we're working on a cam- camera strap, for example. And I, I'm, one of our employees here just does it on his spare time. He's like, hey, look what I made. And um, yeah, nothing but, but good things can happen when you start introducing other people into your business. Yeah, but your business has your business has to support it, I, and that's another big thing, right? Like you have to you, you have to be able to afford it, <laughs> I guess right? It's also, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's definitely important. Like, you don't want to go in the hole bringing someone on, um, yeah, just because you, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and I really, and Dylan, yeah, and Dylan, I, I just want to I just want to say I do tend to ramble because I don't get the opportunity to uh, to gush about the business very often. I I talk to. Uh, uh, a crew from, from UVic, uh, university I, I attended and they were in a business program and they, they sent me an email. They're like, Hey, you want to, you know, just give us some pointers. We're kind of, we're looking at doing this, this, uh, a, a business similar to yours. And geez, I think I just talked their ear off for like two hours. They, they maybe asked me three questions. Um, so please interrupt and, and guide me if I start going on tangents because, uh, I can get a bit carried away. <laughs> no, no worries. This is, this is all great. I find like a lot of the best points on this podcast come when people just start, you know, they just start flowing, right? They get in that flow state and they just start talking about what they do because I don't know like what's going on in your head and what's going on in your business, but like, you know, what you were struggling with and how you overcame those things. And it, and it's really cool to get a glimpse into your mind and I completely agree with everything you're saying like one of the things you said was in the beginning like um when you're bringing people on like you don't just like you can train people but they have to be like they can't be I don't know they they can't be an idiot they can't be a jerk right exactly they have to that's what I'm looking for (laughs) share your vision um Because you can always train them on your processes, but ultimately, if that person's not a good fit with your company and your culture, like it's just it's not going to work out. No matter how much training you give them, if they're this lazy person who's going to want to cut corners in a business that you know you're very anti-sacrificing quality, which is great. Yeah, and we're we're sort of at that that growth stage where we're still defining company culture, and it's very strange to me. It's so it's such a foreign concept because I've worked in you know, white collar industries like uh, call centers and all that sort of stuff where they try to force this culture onto you. And it's weird seeing something sort of grow organically and being sort of at the center of it. Like I don't, I'm not trying to guide it in any particular direction other than, you know, making our customer happy or, or trying to align it with sort of our values. Like it's, it's such a bizarre thing just to see unfold it's it's so strange to me yeah and it's funny too because like like one you have the values and then it's like those values attract the right people and now what's so Mm -hmm. cool to me is like your team like they're going above and beyond just because they love what they do like the person who who made that camera strap uh like that's so cool and you can't just like force people like hey you want to go and and try to make some things like in your spare time uh yeah you can't do that because because when you make something, you there's so much to think about. You have to be really familiar with how someone's going to use your product, not just something that looks cool, right? And it has to be, it, it just has to be something that you're really passionate and interested in as well. Otherwise, you're not going to want to keep making different versions of it. Like this, 
camera strap probably went through 10 different versions before I even saw it. It's crazy. It's just crazy. It is. Speaking of new products, like I noticed when I was looking at your website, you have a ton of new products on your site compared to last year when I looked at it. Also, it looks it looks completely different. It looks amazing. Um, I love it. Still got that classic logo, which is just so clean. The hand, the handwritten. Uh, oh, it's so sick. Um, Thanks, man. But um, anyway, speaking of new products, tell me about that. Like how? Like what's your strategy? Like besides, you know, creating this culture that enables people to create these products like what like what goes through your mind when you're thinking like oh let's add some products or like because i noticed you you've expanded a lot so can you tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about that sure yeah so normally when we get a request for a product from a customer we'll you know we'll write it down we'll know it would be like hey you know what that's a great idea when we're prototyping stuff we'll keep you in mind and a lot of the times we'll get the same request over and over and over again and you know if a lot of people want this thing, let's try and make it. So a good example would be our shaving kits. You know, a lot of people are asking, Hey, uh, I love a dot kit. And that's kind of how stuff gets born. Um, and I think, uh, what's another example of one that we just, I'm just going to look at the website cause we're, we're always working on stuff. Um, so when we develop things, there's, there's two roads we go down. One is, do we already have something like that? So if we have a journal cover, like a field notes cover, and someone's like, hey, you know, I, I love these write notebooks. You guys should make a cover for those. It's very easy for us to launch those types of products because we've already tested them. We just have to make sure that they fit and that they, you know, they they work with the existing products. So like a, a write notebook is slightly wider. I think it's, you know, like a centimeter wider than a field notebook. So then it's very easy for us to develop something because we know how people use a notebook cover. We know how they carry it. Um, so we don't have to spend a lot of time testing it. And that's something we can bring to market fairly quickly. Other stuff like our dog collar, which we just launched, that's something that went through a bunch of different versions. That's not something we normally carry, but it's something that we would develop and, and test on different dogs. Um, you know, we'd send them to different customers. We would ask for their feedback and then we'd come back. Like, I think we went through maybe four or five different types of brass hardware, um, maybe, you know, a few different prototypes on how the, the color itself would would actually look or, or, you know, what type of buckle we would use. So something like that's a lot more involved. It would take a few months maybe before we would even have a final prototype. But part of the process of growing the company, and I think this kind of goes back to the first question where what's changed is our product offering, just like you, just like you said. And we start to attract different types of customers. So someone will, will come to our website and buy a wallet, and then they'll say, oh, hey, you know, I saw some dog collars on there. My, you know, my wife is thinking about getting a dog or, or something like that. Why don't I, why don't I get a dog collar as well? Because I've got this awesome wallet. These guys make great stuff. Let's get some more, uh, something else. Yeah. So I guess, I guess that's sort of our, our thought process for, for launching new products. Um, it's a smart strategy. Like, I mean, if you make a great product, like when you think about it, it's like, oh crap, we can only sell people really like one wallet and, and you sell leather yeah. wallets that are nice and they get better with age. So it's not like a product that somebody's buying, you know, once a month, like coffee or protein or something. Yeah, yeah um, that's right. <laughs> right. And, but the thing is like people have other things that are leather and can be leather, like they have their journal and, and a dog and, you know, like I see yeah. you have watch straps, which are, which are awesome. Like those are something that, 
you know, it's like you can take the same watch and, and make it look awesome because you have, you know, three different straps for it. What impact mm-hmm. has this, like, like what impact has been, um, has adding products to your business had on like growing your store? Well, he was just like I, like I mentioned, um, people who bought something previously, they see something new, they tend to be repeat customers. I think we have a 30% repeat customer rate, at least in the past year. Nice. And that comes, that comes from introducing new, new products. Uh, it's also people buying gifts for maybe they don't necessarily need a dog collar, but they know someone who does. They're like, Oh, Hey, great. Pop off leather has this new thing. Let's, you know, they make great stuff. Let's, let's get that as a gift. They're going to love it. Um, so that's, it's had a tremendous impact. And like you said, we're not a subscription based company. Um, we make stuff that lasts for life. So unless your wallet gets stolen or maybe you get sick of the color, you're probably not going to buy another wallet, but we do have a 30% repeat purchase rate and that's tremendous. Um, so if we keep introducing products that are quality or that are, you know, tested and, and, and work well, then people are going to buy it for gifts or, or maybe they're just going to buy it for themselves. Um, so like stuff like valet trays, um, that's something we introduced recently. Everyone has keys. Everyone has, you know, spare change. Valet tray fits great, um, you know, by the door. Why not get something like that? I love my wallet. I'm going to get a matching valet tray of the same leather. I know. It's so awesome too, because like typically with a durable product business like this, um, like you would expect a low repeat purchase rate, but like 30% yeah. is great, especially for considering like you're making, like you said, you're making durable products that are expected to last forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. like a 30% repeat purchase rate on a product that lasts forever, like that sounds unreal. <laughs> it's crazy. And, and a lot of that, so that's just a blanket statistic but i think a lot of that's also leather care products too which we also sell um but i i do think a a line share that is sort of the you know buying gifts and and things like that totally so you were at 40k a month last year what's your revenue now so we've doubled that october we were 77 september we did 85 august we did 94 so we've actually gone down from august but november is ramping up quite quickly because of Christmas and I expect to double that whatever we did last in October. So, and we could see six digits this month. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. What, how has, like, has your marketing changed at all or has it just been like, you know, just, just slow and steady growth over these last 12 months? Like, tell me about that. We haven't really changed anything. In fact, I've only just started looking at, um, cost per click ads. So Facebook, uh, we're in a couple of programs, uh, trying to learn that, like, I'm just breaking even, but now that we're sort of generating this type of revenue, we have the sort of advertising budget to play with, which is tremendous. It's, it's a lot less stress for me because as you probably know, Facebook's not cheap, especially if you want to get results and drive data to your, to your ad sets. We haven't really changed anything. A lot of this is word of mouth. So last year, November, you know, we were doing, 40 50k this pattern seems to repeat itself so in november last year we did 76 and that was almost double of what our average average month was Mm -hmm. but then when we hit december january february march it kind of plateaus where our november level was and then it just keeps growing from there so i expect this year november we'll hit a certain level and then we'll just plateau again and grow some more i mean hopefully fingers crossed but this has happened every year since we started our business yeah and how, you know, we, how long have you been in business now 
since 2013. So I was, <laughs> yeah, that's I a started, long time too. Five years. Yeah. yeah, man. So it'll be six years next year. And yeah, it's, it's crazy. Just even thinking about it, just even looking around, you know, I'm in a workshop. I was right. Like when I started, I was working a full-time job, you know, at a, doing a desk job uh, that I hated. And now it's it's crazy. It's just crazy to reflect. I do that once in a while. It's kind of scary. Yeah, I know. It is crazy. And <laughs> what's so cool is like, well, for one, like not only has like, first things first, like way to build a business that has lasted, you know, over five years. Like that's so awesome. Like not many Thank people you. can say that. Uh, and then to have it double every single year, like Ryan, if you keep this up, man, I can't wait to see what this podcast is at, like in four years I'll man. On, a, on our personal chat next year. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I love it, man. I love it. And I th- really think that, uh, uh, like a really underrated way to, you know, grow your business that everyone's talking about these different marketing strategies and, and doing these, these different things like, oh, you know, these Facebook ads, these YouTube videos or, or, or whatever. Um, but what underrated way, like is number one, like just having a really, really high quality product. Like you said, like you make products to last forever, um, which is yeah. just awesome. And then number two, like creating more of them, expanding your product line to things that are, you know, relevant. Um, and you know, you're not just making random things. These are all, they all are, are all under the same umbrella. Um, but it's just slowly, but surely over time, you've you know yes. built this product catalog, built up this customer base. And, uh, and now you have this business that is just, um, um, it's just, it sounds like it's a, a, a dream to run almost. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not, but <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, it's a lot of hard work. Um, for but sure. It's, uh, it's, it's, it wouldn't be possible if you didn't, if you didn't have people who, who had the same amount of passion and like, I don't know how many business owners can say that because you'll never, you'll never find people who care as much as you about your own business that you started, but it's pretty damn close here. Honestly. I'm very lucky to be working with these people. That's awesome. What do you think? Is there anything you think you did? Because there's no way it's just luck that you brought these people on. Is there any way you kind of like vet these people or you just like, you know, like find these people to work these jobs? Like, how does that work? It's, it's something I'm still struggling with. Like it's, it hasn't been, you know, cut and dry. Like there, there've been a few people that haven't worked out. Um, but for the most part, you just treat people how you want to be treated. Be honest, transparent. Don't, I mean, God, I've I had so many bad managers in my life where I'm at the point where, okay, I don't want to be like those people. I want to have a, mm-hmm. you know, work environment where people like coming to work, where, you know, it's a very repetitive job. Like, you know, you cut out a hundred wallets in a day, you still throw a hundred wallets in a day. And then tomorrow's the same thing. The day after that, it's the same thing. So how do you have a work environment where that's enjoyable, right? Um, you treat people how they expect to be treated. You don't come down on them if they goof off once in a while. Like you, you try to, I don't know. It's, it's still something I'm struggling with. It's hard. It's a very hard question. I think I've just been really lucky with most people and you try to hire people that you would like to work with, I suppose. You can only get so far with those standard interview questions, right? When you, after you hire someone, you forget about the interview. You don't, I, I don't know. I've always gone, kind of gone with my gut. There have been a few interviews I've had where, you know, I meet the person for five minutes and I'd be like, hey, you want to work here? And they go, yeah, okay, well, we start tomorrow. Perfect. 
Yeah. And they just worked out. So I don't know. There's, there's also that, that adage, and I'm not sure if you're, you're familiar with it, but hire slow, fire fast. Well, sometimes you have to fire fast. If, if there's been times where we've had employees and it, it, and it's kind of been like a festering wound where, you know, something's wrong. You can't quite put your finger on it, but then it was, a, it was the employee not fitting in with everyone else. No one really said anything. It was just kind of a gloomy atmosphere. But then, you know, you get over that, that first time where you had to let someone go and, and then everyone's happy and you see the results of that. So, I mean, I guess, I guess it's just recognizing when things don't work out in the work environment. Um, man, this is such a bummer of a topic. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I, I think it's but, good. Um, no, keep going. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's, it's trying to be in tune with, again, we, we talk about culture and it's something that I'm learning a lot, you know, trying to teach myself anyways, about how to try to foster the right culture, how, how to identify people who fit in with that culture and, you know, if, the, if people don't work with that culture, it's, it's best just to recognize that right away. Don't try to fix it because you can't train culture. You can train skills, but you can't train people to fit in with each other. So if that doesn't work, then, you know, you, you have to let those kind of people go. Um, totally. And I think it's important to note that, like, yeah. w- one, you, you don't have a 100% success rate. Um, yeah, there have been people who didn't work out, and I think one reason, like, uh, or like a couple of reasons why I think the people who do work out really work out is because, like, number one, you have your values, like you you don't sacrifice quality, um, you have all of these the beliefs, and number two is like you as the founder of this company, not only did you build it from the ground up, but you have done every single job in the in the business, so you're That's not right. you're not asking anybody to do something that you would not do and that you haven't done. Uh, that's right. And being that type of leader, a leader who's actually lived what they're leading is, is huge and powerful. And I think that's something that like, um, is easy to overlook and think like, man, like, you know, what's the lucky thing that's just making this all work out. But it's like, they look up to you and they think like, you know, I'm going to bust my butt on making these 100 waltz day because you know, Ryan would do it. If, if I got sick today, Ryan would hop in and he would do it. Yeah, that's right. And so it's, yeah, I would even say it's not luck. Like you've put in the work, like you didn't have the people who, who, who worked out and, and then you have your values and your own work ethic. And it hasn't been something where it's like, oh, you know, you just, you got the seed money investment and then you, you know, you hired this team of 10 people yeah. and, and, yeah. uh, um, all of a sudden you have this company that's going to do, you know, like seven figures and, in revenue and. Yeah. And it's funny, you, you kind of mentioned that that's something else that, that maybe I, I, I should touch on is it's not just about acquiring new customers all the time. It's also about fostering relationships with existing customers. So, you know, post-purchase service, post-purchase thank yous, you know, uh, a year after you make a, a purchase, like, Hey, how's it going? You know, how's your product? You know, what do you think of it? Um, it's not just churning new revenue. It's, it's engaging with the people who love your company. And I, and it's word of mouth. You know, a lot of our success comes from those same people telling their friends about us. And we get people emailing us all the time being like, hey, you know, I love this wallet. Uh, I told all my friends about your company. You guys just are just awesome. You know, our, our customer service is amazing. Whitney does such an amazing job. She's our 
full-time customer service person, but like just stuff like that, intangibles, you know, just treating people how you would expect to be treated and, you know, actually caring about your customer instead of just constantly looking for new ones. So, I mean, it's, it's not to say that you shouldn't be always looking for new people because you should be, but don't forget about the people who just spent $60 on a wallet. Like, like keep them at the back of your mind. And I, I always try to do that. So many people quit after they get a customer. They spend so much yes. time on their advertising and their yeah. you know, creative and their branding and their website and all this stuff. And then they get a customer and it's like nothing happens. It's Your like, best customers are the ones who already bought stuff from you. It is. They, like for so many reasons, right? right? Yeah. Like they're cheaper yeah. to acquire. Like they, they're already yeah. fans. Um, they, already, they already know the type of work you make. So it's not hard to, to get them to buy more stuff. It's, you know, you, you love these people. They're, yeah. And like yeah, you said, crazy. I, if you treat yeah. them right, they tell their friends. And before you know it, you have four more wallets coming in tomorrow. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that extends to people who, who hate your products. Like we've had people who are nothing but complainers and we treat them with so much respect that they'll leave, they'll still leave a five-star review and be like, you know what? I didn't, this wall wasn't for me, but wow, these guys take care of their customers. And, you know, I will still recommend them to people who are looking for this type of wallet. You know, there's there, there certain people who like really thin wallets and they, they see our leathers nice and thick and, and that's just not for them. And that's fair, you know, send it back. That's okay. Uh, we'll take care of it. We'll, we'll even send you a label. I love it. I love how like yeah. you, you care a lot about the people. I can tell like, it's not just yeah. the, like, they're not just customers, like they're people. Uh, and they're not That's just right. employees. They're people. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. And, and, and that's definitely one of the reasons why you've been able to to grow this business and double every year. And I'm really looking forward to, you know, even having you on this show in the future, because I mean, first of all, doubling from, from 40,000 to, you know, I mean, next month you're looking at a six figure month, like that's awesome growth and, and, and way to work hard and make that happen. Um, and it, it, it's been great to sync up again and to hear where your business is going. And it's so funny because like most of the things that you're telling me is like the same things you were telling me last year, right? Like you care a lot about this business and, and, yeah. and you're pouring your blood, sweat and tears into it. Um, and now, like, before we sign off here, um, like, do you have any closing thoughts or, or, or words of advice? Send on. This is the hardest question I last, asked at the end last time. Uh, I'm asking it again. <laughs> <laughs> any, any closing thoughts? Um, you know, honestly, it, it, for me, like, as a business owner, as long as you care about what you're doing every day, I don't see how you can fail. You've, you've touched on it, you know, people who get this startup cash just to create businesses that are churning and pumping out whatever, you know, drop shipping or whatever it is, just to make businesses to make money, you're not going to do well because you're not going to care about your business after a couple of months of not getting sales. Whereas if you're, you know, like for me, when I first started, I wasn't making tons of sales. I was just making a product that I, that I wanted, something that I enjoyed making and stuff just kind of rolled into what it is now. I mean, I'm still coming in every day. I'm maybe I'm not making stuff, but I'm still here caring about everything that goes out the door. Um, just <laughs> so cheesy, but you know what? Don't, don't do like, <laughs> you know, that saying if, uh, if you, what is it? God, it's such a stupid saying. Um, if you, if you do what you enjoy every day, then, then it's not working or something along right. those lines. Like if you love what you, know you do, what I mean? you never like, work a day in your life. I think oh, it's something like God. that. 
God, I cringe at, at that phrase, but it's so, it's so true, man. Like find something you enjoy doing. I mean, even maybe you enjoy drop shipping. Okay. Then do that. But like, if you don't enjoy it and you're just doing it to make money, you're, you're not going to do well. And I don't, I don't encourage that. But if you have something that maybe you're not making money with, but you really enjoy it, keep doing it. And eventually maybe it'll work out. I don't know. That's just kind of how I approach things. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's great advice, especially like what I like about you is like you, you speak from experience. You're not like, Oh, I read this article and so-and-so and so-and-so it's like, no, like this is, (laughs) this is what worked for me. Um, just like I imagine you are in your business and like, it sounds like, like, you know, you, you, you lead what you live, uh, which is just awesome to see. Um, and so this has been, this has been an awesome episode. I really enjoyed catching up with you, Ryan, and, and talking about where your business is at now. I look forward to, to doing it again next year. If the listeners, yeah, if the listeners haven't heard the first episode, uh, I'm going to link that in the show notes below. It's, it's, it's a great episode uh, talking about how Ryan built his business off the back of Etsy and then transitioned into Shopify. And, and now, well, here he is today. Um, and obviously you heard the episode. Um, it's, it's been great. Where can we go learn, or where can we go to learn more about you and, and pop up leather, Ryan? Sure. Uh, so that would just be my website, www.popoffleather.com. And that's spelled P O P O V leather.com. And these are some really sweet looking leather goods too. So, uh, if, if you're in the market for, for a new wallet, you know, a cover for your journal or, or I was looking at the dop kits, like they look really sick. Like, Oh man, nice leather dop kit. Um, man, they look so clean. I don't even know what color because they all look so good. I'm looking at them right now as we speak. Um, I was telling Ryan, you should get gonna... one in each color. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I should. No, seriously, I should. Um, but anyway, uh, definitely check out Pop Up Leather. Um, a lot of great products. Listen to the other episode if you haven't already. And thanks so much for coming on the show, Ryan. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Now, listener, before I sign off, stop me if this sounds familiar. Your email marketing is stuck. You feel like you could be doing email better. You're not generating enough email revenue, and you feel like you're leaving money on the table. But you don't have the time to figure email out yourself or or do it on your own because you have a business to run. Imagine this. Imagine not having to worry about leaving money on the table with your email marketing. Imagine not having to figure out what to send, when to send it, how many emails should look, what automation you need, what segments you need, how often you should be contacting your email list, or just worrying about sending the next email. You don't have to worry about any of that. Imagine having peace of mind knowing that your email marketing is generating sales in good hands. At Wavebreak, we help Shopify stores maximize their email marketing revenue. That's it. We don't do anything else. And we've created a system called the Wavebreak method that, number one, makes you less dependent on Facebook or other marketing channels. Let's say something bad happens. Facebook says, see you later, Shopify store, and they just completely kill your ad traffic overnight. You don't have to worry. You don't have to stress because you're good to go because you have a cushion of email revenue. You don't have to worry about how or what your wife is going to do or if you're going to be able to make rent or if you're going to be able to pay people because you have this cushion of email revenue to rely on. Number two, the second thing this does is huge. And it's how stores scale from seven figures to eight figures uh, to nine figures. And the secret is repeat purchases. The Waybreak method gets rid of one-time buyers and increases repeat orders. Number three, it keeps your email list engaged. 
You don't have to worry about Black Friday and beyond. We'll figure out the ideal amount of times that your list needs to be contacted to maximize revenue, and then we'll execute it for you. If you want to learn more about this system and how we can work together to apply it to your business, go to wavebreak.co to schedule a call with me. And I'll personally send you my calendar link and we can chat one-on-one. Now, I don't have unlimited time to do these calls. I can only do a couple of them per week. So if you want to get your call, uh, go sign up at wavebreak.co for it as soon as possible. And we can talk about how we can work together. Thanks for listening to this episode. Subscribe to the show on iTunes to get notified of new episodes as soon as they drop. 